Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Well, good morning. My name is Blake. It's always an honor and privilege to be with you uh, today when we look at God's Word, a transforming word for each and every one of us can found in the book of life. Today, I will title this morning's message, We Are Generous. Everybody say, we are generous. All right, now let's say it like we really mean it. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. We are generous. We've been in this little mini-series that we'll be touching on throughout this whole year here and there, talking about who we are as a church. Who we are as a church, we talked about last week how we are servants. Today we're talking about who we are as a church. We are generous individuals. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says this, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words the Lord Jesus says. He says, it is more blessed to give than receive. Uh, We even look at this and kind of do a deep dive in this text. It's more blessed to be generous than it is to receive. How many of you ever benefited because someone was generous in your life? A lot of us have benefited because someone has been generous. See, gener- generosity as a follower, as a, a Jesus follower in life, does this for us. It, generosity puts, God's fir- puts God first. It's saying, hey, God, you're first in my life. It's where the rubber meets the road. It's saying, you know what? I'm going to let my actions prove how I say and what I audibly believe about God. But giving and generosity are two different things. Giving and generosity are two different things. First, when we think about the, to, uh, the word giving, now we use it synonymous throughout Scripture, but giving has this kind of uh, understanding that you own it, that you're transferring your ownership to somebody else's uh, possession. When we talk about generosity in the church, generosity is this. We are building our life based on kingdom principles. Many times we give out of just maybe a reluctancy or we give because it's what we're supposed to do. When truth told, when you come to following Jesus in your life, who we are as a church, and what I'm so grateful for about this church is we are people who build our life about kingdom purposes. We understand time and time again that it's not just about our church, but it's about the churches in the community. That's what's important. It's about those that can reach different people, those that everybody can find a place where they can find Jesus and follow Him in a path of discipleship. But some of the challenges kind of occur when it comes to this topic of generosity. See, it kind of starts with this. Most people don't think they're rich and really they are. Let me elaborate. Uh, Maybe you've experienced this because I know we have a lot of just gentlemen in the room. Valentine's was this past week. Maybe you had this, maybe you went on a Valentine's date, or maybe you just experienced this past week. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, hey, where do you want to go for uh, dinner? 
You'd get in the car, you drive in the car, and, and you're going down maybe Bay Shore right here, and you're like, you're, you're passing Longhorns, you're, you're, you're passing Chipotle, and you're like, hey, where do you want to eat? Uh, and you're going back and forth. I don't know. Oh, okay, let's just turn into Olive Garden. So you turn into Olive Garden. You're sitting there, and you're hanging out at Olive Garden, but, you know, you ask for a table, and you're kind of tapping your toe. You're like, you're waiting five minutes, and you're like, okay, I need my table to open up. And, and then you go, you finally get to the table, and as you sit at the table, you're like, okay, uh, someone comes over. They, they take your order, and as they're taking your order, you eat your food, and, and it's not maybe done up specifically like you like it. You ask for the sauce to be on the side so you can save the other half for dinner that night, and you're, you're trying to figure something of this out and then dinner comes and someone comes they take your check they they give you the check they they clear your table you get back in your car you drive home and and then you 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 take your car and you pull it into the house and and then you shut the garage or maybe some of us don't pull it into the house because we have so much stuff in the garage and and we kind of are in this place, and, and then we say, you know what, I, I really don't have enough to live a generous lifestyle because, you know, I'm just not, I don't really have that much money. Like, things are tight. I mean, we kind of get in this, why? Because we compare ourselves to those around us. In American culture, we're saying, oh, there's someone always richer than me when truly we are rich. If you own a car, you're in the top 10%, 7%, depending on what study you look at. You own a house, you're in a whole other echelon. It's, it's, it's amazing some of the ways that we think. But then also another, when it comes to generosity, when we think about some of these things, most people think they're generous and they're actually not. Have you ever met like the stingy uncle who thinks he's generous and you're like, dude, you wouldn't even give me a ride to the, my, my appointment without giving gas money for that, right? You know, there's moments like that where we, we say, hey, we're generous, but we're not. Did you know, on average, the American household gives approximately 2.5% of their income to charitable causes? That doesn't include the church. That means broad, broad speaking. Barna, nonprofit organization, different studies you look at, which that means let's say it's, let's pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Let's make it about sports because I'm a sports guy. That's saying one team scores a hundred points and the other team scores two points and we're cheering on the two points that were made and we think we're generous individuals. But you know what I love about this church? We flip that script. You are a generous church. We applaud you for that because generosity is what can transform a community. Generosity is how God moves throughout the community to establish His purposes. But we have to ask ourselves, if generosity is a way that we can put you know, the, the feet to the ground and, and march and move forward, then why aren't more people in America, why aren't more people in our communities generous? Well, it comes to this, what we call a scarcity mindset stops a generous lifestyle. A scarcity mindset, the way we think, the way it kind of processes in our mind. I uh, have a little, you know, graphic that can help us a little bit. The team's going to throw it up on the screen behind me. But when it comes to a scarcity mindset looks like this. You see, God supplies at the top. Everything that is good in life comes from God. I want us to understand that. 
Everything that's great. God supplies, okay, and our first step with a scarcity mindset is this. We consume. We say, hey, I got my bills. I got the things I need to do. I got uh, the, the thing. I got sports equipment I need to buy for my children. I got tuition. And we operate in this mind, and we're like, okay, I got to consume. What do I need to buy first? And then we move over there. Oh, we lack. I don't have enough. I'm struggling. I, I'm, I, I need more. I need more. And then this is what happens. Anybody have been there? We fear. Oh, man. I made it through this past 30 days of the the credit card cycle, and now we're kind of retracting a little bit, and we say, what do we do now? And, and the cycle keeps going. Some of us might be operating, and here's some tells for the scarcity mindset is this. You're starting to kind of sweat a little bit and clinch and get tight right now because you're thinking, oh man, this one might hit home. Or maybe you're thinking, I can give more when I get more. Or you're processing and you're struggling is like, man, I never have enough. I would say you're tipping your hand a little bit to the scarcity mindset that's in your mind, that's kind of processing, that's maybe embedded in your heart. But see, here at Faith, we are people who are generous. And we are people who live generously. That's what we're about. That's what we believe that God's called us to do. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Paul puts it this way, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need and then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As Scripture says, they share freely and then give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. So you know what a mark of a great church is? is how well we live generously within our community. Have you ever been, we, we all raised our hands earlier, right, where we've been impacted by someone's generosity in our life? Like, man, do they really do that for us? Do they really take time out of their, their day? Do they really make that purchase on our behalf? Man, I love that this time, or, or Christmas time here, we, we have uh, uh, teachers and students from Bayshore Elementary right next door, and they submit things that they need for Christmas season. And you know what our church does? They, they step up and, and they take those tags off our, our board and, and they, they go and purchase the gifts at the Christmas time. But you know what that shows when it comes to living in a life of generosity? What that screams to the, the school right next door is not necessarily about us, but it's about those kids over there. It's about we care, we love. We, we want to support. We want them to say, hey, you know what? When they think of our church, they think of the good works that are happening here. We live generously here at Faith. I want to encourage you to live generously day in, day out. But we live generously. Why? Because our God blesses us abundantly. God is someone who multiplies abundantly. I mean, God can do a lot a lot with a little. Fishes and loaves. 
very clear. What our mind can be fixed on, God operates in a completely different realm. Second Corinthians, we continue when we look at the Scripture. We see that for God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide, increase your resources, and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now, I want to pause right there when we look at it. God doesn't say that there's going to come a check in the government, and then you're going to be well off. Okay, what, what, what scriptures say right here? It says this. It says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. And in other words, God gives us the resources to get to work. As Christians, as people that follow Jesus, the life change that he brings in our life, it means you're signing up to work. Like you can't be really a healthy Christian if you're not a pro productive, a producing Christian. Now, some of us, we're on the retirement side. You've, you, you've done your time, you've, you've worked, you labored, but doesn't mean that the work stops in, different, in, in certain realms or certain ways. It means that if you're not dead, then you're not done. In verse 11, continues, Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always, always, be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they will what? Thank God. Thank God. And that's what I love about faith. We are a generous church. When I was in the eighth grade, my father, uh, I, I started uh, kind of a, a lawn service. I mowed grass. I didn't smoke grass. And so uh, what kind of happened is I started to accumulate uh, some money. So my father sent me to a youth group one night, and we had about, uh, I, he gave me an envelope about $800. Now, when you're in eighth grade, you're coming to youth group with 800 bucks, and they're like, how'd you get that money? You're like, dude, I worked. Not too many middle schoolers have jobs. So I remember I wasn't, probably the most, I guess you would say, astute individual. God had to really refine my life in middle school and high school, then really come to know him when I was in college. So I remember I showed up and my father told me, he says, Blake, this is your tithe. You know, you've been mowing all summer, this is your tithe. So I show up, I hand my youth pastor the tithe, and I go, hey man, this is something called a tithe. I'm giving it to you. Uh, we didn't really do like the offering thing. I think that, we, you know, we're supposed to pass the bags or the plates, or now we drop them off in the boxes. There wasn't any digital. So I, I go and I hand it to youth pastor and I go off. It's after service. And when I'm off, I'm, I'm kind of hanging out with friends. He walks over to me and he's like, hey, Blake, you know how much money was in there? I was like, $800, man. You need to know that because I know my dad's probably going to call you to make sure I didn't pull a couple hundreds out. Like, uh, like, it was kind of that conviction. And I was like, whoo, all right, here you go. And I remember scratching my head and, and thinking like, man, this Jesus stuff is crazy. Like, that's a lot of money. Like, back then it was like the original Xbox. I could have bought one of those, a couple of games. 
I could have started really styling with Abercrombie and Fitch. Like, like that's where I was at in some of that regard. But I remember that point. I always come back to it because that was the first time I actually understood generosity, giving, and it was etched in my life. I want to encourage you, if you're a parent in this room, some of the ways that we can plant the seed of the gospel for our children to receive it, to grab it for themselves, are through different little steps of what it means to be a Jesus follower, generosity being one of those. So I want to encourage you to continue to do that. And that leads me to this other kind of diagram or graph. We call this God supplies. This is our supply mindset. The supply mindset is this. God supplies every good thing comes from God. And then what do we do first? We give. We're individuals that give because we understand that generosity is part of the lifestyle that we're signing up. Jesus gave his life. Jesus affirms and, and talks about the tithe. We give. God multiplies. God does more than we ever would have imagined. God does a lot with our little. And then we have faith. And that faith continues to grow. I remember after I gave that $800, my business the very next summer, and this is why it's very distinctive in my mind, basically doubled. Now, I'm not saying it always works out that way. But what I am saying is this. I didn't get double money. I didn't get a new check. It wasn't anything like this. But like a seed in the farmer, I had the resources to do what God's called me to do. I gave. God multiplied. Faith happens. So now that always started a, a perpetual cycle in my life of what it means to live a lifestyle of generosity. And I want to encourage you, adopt a lifestyle of generosity. See, a supply mindset leads to a generous lifestyle. Often the people you brush shoulders with who are generous understand the supply mindset. They understand, hey, I'm a steward in this place. God can do a lot with my little, and whatever I give, whatever I'm generous with, He can always multiply and bring back triplefold, a hundredfold. God can do it. So I want to talk briefly, just a couple things, what it means to be an abundant giver. Abundant giver first gives spontaneously. Gives spontaneously. You're like, hey, what are you talking about? It's not really like, there actually, if you look at this parable that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 10, verse 35, the parable of the good Samaritan. The next day, he, hidden the, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I'm here. Now, the whole parable of the Good Samaritan is this. This man gets beat up, this Samaritan. There's this, this, this friction between these two kind of groups of people. This man comes, this man's beat, beaten up, laying on the side of the road. Uh, a guy comes over and helps him, nurses him back to health, brings him to the hotel and gets taken care of. It's kind of phenomenal because it kind of, it, it fought culture. When culture was saying it should align this way, this Samaritan comes over here and says, nope, I'm going to take care of this, this beaten, broken down individual. But whenever you look at that text and when you study it, look, it doesn't say, hey, I'm just going to pay for his uh, just medical needs at that point. It says, tell me how much time he needs to recover 
and I want to be spontaneous. I want to continue to pay for that. There was no clear, definite end. It was, I'm going to do whatever it does. Well, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to meet that need. That's why when you see these responses, people of generosity to this church, when we give to convoy, when we give to different endeavors, when you see that there is this uh, maybe a massive earthquake, the church rises up. Some of the first institutions, some of the first organizations to, be, to, to land here during the hurricane were Christian-backed, generous organizations that said, hey, people need help. God's getting the glory that when something arises, we can spontaneously act. An abundant giver can operate that way. But then also, an abundant giver also gives strategically. Now, it's very clear, Scripture. Don't just throw your money to the wind. In fact, some of the wealthiest people I know, some of the most generous people I know, can almost tell you where they give and how they're generous in every component in their lifestyle every area in their lifestyle. And Isaiah 32, verse 8 says this, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. My wife and I, we, we love Shark Tank. You ever see that show with Mark Cuban and those different sharks, and, and they're like bidding, they're presenting the, the different kind of company concepts? My favorite is when the people that come and give the pitch and they give the sell don't know all their information and they just get destroyed by the sharks. Like, and I'm like, oh, dude, you should have known how much profit and loss you had from this past year. Like, you should know that. And it kind of just kind of turns you on and you're, you're like looking at this thing and you're like, oh, like there's a, a different way of thinking. People of generosity have a different way of thinking. They're going to plan, they're going to march, they're going to map out what it means and how to live a generous lifestyle. We are people who live generously, but it also takes a plan to live generously. Pastor Goss talks about it, I talk about it. Part of that is the tithe, part of that's the missions, part of that's those in our community that we know. I know in my personal time, I try to account. I say, hey, who can I bless in a week if I go out to lunch? What can I do? There's different areas, different forms of how we live generously, but it takes a plan. You know, I even have to plan those moments with my wife. I'm like, okay, I know I'm going to have to plan that she's going to order between the hours of 10 p.m. and 2 a.m. some things on Amazon. We got a plan. Fellas, come on, give me an amen on that one. Abundant givers, they also understand this too. There's, there's a level of sacrifice. Give sacrificially. When's the last time we've done something sacrificially? Um, I'm always mesmerized. I want to be careful and some of just... When I, when I share some of these stories because of the people, I, I look and I pan the room and I just know that there's those out here that have been with faith for years, that have led a generous lifestyle, that have given sacrificially. They've changed lives because they planned, they spontaneously gave when they saw a need, and they sacrificed. 
Mark 12, 42 says this, Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. It's sacrifice. Supply mindset means there's going to be portions of sacrifice. But we sacrifice not for the sake to sacrifice, not because means or any of those things. We sacrifice because we believe in the mission and the heart and what Jesus called us to do. If you're familiar with that story, it's a very popular story. Many pastors, preachers use it when they talk about giving. But when it comes to that, it's these, these Pharisees, these religious elite, they come in and they give a lot of money and they let everybody know. They like show up like Floyd Mayweather style on their bling, Rolls Royce, and they're like, hey, we're dropping this money in the bucket. But then this lady, this widow, lowest in society, remember the cultural times, she comes and she gives all she has. Abundant givers see when and how to sacrifice for what God's called them to lead, and that's a life of generosity. And when we talk about generosity, I just want to leave here with just a few thoughts when it comes to some practical next steps. First is this, an abundant giver ties consistently. Now, I'm always kind of suspect when we talk about this because we get it and we hear it. Uh, man, the church always talks about tithing. The church always talks about money and generosity. So I started putting some pen to paper because I just needed some, some, some understanding in my mind. You know, we only talk about it 7% throughout the whole year out of all of our, like when we map out our whole preaching calendar. Because the, the reason is this. We, don't, we, we know it's not all about money. We know it's not all about uh, how much the the church can have and get. It's not about that actually at all. But what it's about is that God's called us to make a difference in our community. Generosity helps us make a difference in the community. So I want to give you three, but before, before I dive into the three ways and the power of our tithe, I want to talk to you about the uh, essence where Jesus confirms and affirms the tithe. In Matthew 23, 23, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, faith. You should tithe, yes, is what Jesus said, but do not neglect the important things. There's a vast array of important things, but this is what tithing does. Tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates the cycle of supply. Tithing breaks the, the, the cycle, the understanding of, man, I never have enough to saying, God, I'm going to depend on you always. So the power of the tithe, let me just give you three brief ones. First, the tithe teaches us to put God first. 
There's been moments in some of my dear friends' lives when they were without a job, they worked a part-time job, and all they could do, all they could muster up was, hey, they were going to tithe because that's what God called them to do, and they stayed true and committed. And now I look at their story, just the blessing that's been poured out in their life, because they understood that tithing is a practice, is a discipline to put God first. I would encourage you, explore what it means to tithe. It's giving 10% of your income. It's this Hebrew word back when the Israelites were in this theocracy, meaning they were led by God. It was, it was tangible. It was the Ark of the Covenant. It was the temple. It was the conversation that would happen between the, the priest and God's people. Deuteronomy 14.23 says this, Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place of the Lord your God it chooses for his name to be honored and eat it there in his presence. As we continue, this applies to your tithe of grain, new wine, olive oil, and firstborn males of your flocks and herds. During this, we'll, during this, we'll teach them always to fear the Lord your God. See, I want us to understand something. It takes faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give last. Tithing says, God, I'm putting you first in my life. Generosity says, God, I'm putting you first in my life. Also, when it comes to the power of the tithe, the tithe builds our faith. There's been moments I've had to, to give where I scratch my mind and my head and I say, God, I'm struggling. Like I got bills and I see the bills coming. I don't know if you've ever been there. Your humanity plays in that sphere. But in Matthew in Malachi 3.10, this is the one area where God says, hey, test me in all of Scripture. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I mean, man, continues and your crops will be abundant. Your blessing on our life will be abundant. See, faith is built. It doesn't just grow. There's moments where when God is calling us to live our life, there's, there's not too many things we value more than our pocketbook in modern American culture, right? There's moments whenever God's working in our life saying this, we have a decision. Are we going to believe in Him? Are we going to trust Him? Are we going to put our faith in Him? Or are we going to say, hey, you know what? God, I don't have it. I can't do it. Tithing says, God, I'm going to put you first no matter what I experience, no matter what I go through. And then the power of the tithe too, the, the tithe provides for the work of God's church. Now we have some big things coming up at this church. You got, if you, everybody look up to the ceiling, we have a, I love how everybody just looked up. We have a roof. <laughs> we have a roof. I mean, like, it's not exciting to say, hey, we got a roof that's coming up. It's 500 some thousand dollars. Like, yes, can't wait. We have parking lots, parking lot lights that were destroyed out there by the hurricane. That's another, like, 
real, real, just me being frank with you, it's another $60,000. Now, this is what I, I do believe fundamentally. I believe for more from my God who is huge. I believe for more for God in your life. The reality is this, that this church has impacted lives that will continue to impact lives. This church is almost 90 years old and we got a good number of 90 to go. It's going to transform more lives. Our kids' ministry is transforming lives. Our youth ministry, transforming lives. We see missionaries, over 70 some missionaries supported, transforming lives. We built orphanages in Thailand, transforming lives. We've helped people with hurricane relief, transforming lives. We've seen a lot of lives transform. Our church is growing and we're in a growing area. The harvest is coming. See, our lifestyle of generosity isn't just about these buildings or these structures, but what it's doing, it's about saying, hey, we got to take care of our house so that this house can be a safe refuge and harbor for those around us. To say, hey, come to my church, man. We got great programming. We have great ministries. We have great activities. We have great opportunity to meet Jesus in a real way. Why? Because we are a generous church. Our mission is to reach people who are far from God and to lead them into a lifestyle of discipleship following Jesus. That's what we're called to do. We'll do everything under the sun short of sinning to get people in this house, to reach people that they can experience Jesus in a real way. As a generous church, I want to continue to say thank you for your generosity. It's who we are. So the question that I have for you today is simply this. Are you a part of the we? Are you someone that's going to say, hey, I'm going to be generous because that's what it means to follow Jesus. This is who we are. I know it's not always the the greatest time at moments to talk about money or to to talk about generosity because there's so many different backgrounds of it. So many different ways we think about it. But this is what I know. This church is a phenomenal church because there's so many of you that are phenomenal in your lifestyle of generosity. And as the pastor to be, I just can't say, but thank you. We have a mission and we're gonna continue to go after that mission and we're gonna continue to reach lives for Jesus. Let's pray. If you bow your heads. God, we give you this moment right now. As we see and discover and look at who we are, we are a church that lives a lifestyle of generosity. 
Lord, we know it's contrary to American culture. We know people might think we're crazy. We know that there might be some, some duplicity that happens in our life. Which way? How do I operate? Where do I go? What do I do? But God, we know that in our generosity, you build our faith in you, that we can rely on you, that we can trust you. Lord, as this church has had a great history, we pray for an even greater future. Lord, for those right now, may they be ministered to, may they be called upon to live a lifestyle that you're calling them to lead. We give you today, we give you this moment, we give you our hearts in every area of our life. You're great in holy name. We all say, amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.